Welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everyone to the back to the GNT show for another wonderful week in the world of rugby league. Once again, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, my partner in crime, a man who was once in Belmore Car Park waiting for the players for so long his battery went dead on his Renault. Gee, how are you this week? Are you really going to help me as a Renault driver? I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Well, it's better than telling the listeners the truth about your Hyundai i30. Hey, that comes with seven-year... Well, Kia or Hyundai, seven-year warranty. They're not all the same, G. They are a different car manufacturer. Hey, both both sponsors of the Bulldogs, Kia and Hyundai. Are they still sponsoring them? No, I think they've made a um, strategic decision not to, not to. You know, the way you guys are playing, you should get Pal, the dog food, to sponsor them. Oh, God, okay. We, we, we need artisan dog food. I don't know about artisan dog food. So, listen, another wonderful week in the world of rugby league. There's actually a lot happening, right? So where do you want to start before we get into the review? Uh, we've got Michael Morgan potentially getting an injury retirement or, or being medically retired. Is it just me or is anyone who gets a long-term injury now basically getting a free hit with medical retirement? The massive injury toll was another thing. Um, the Co- Queensland COVID scare. So we're recording this on Monday the 30th of or the 29th of March, and there's a lot of risk around COVID in, in, in Queensland and, and relocating some of the footy teams up there. So we'll see how that all goes. There's a massive power struggle. There's a lot of problems on at North Queensland between Todd Payton and Val Holmes and Jason Tomalolo. Um, the good news is Jason Tomalolo, the way he's playing, he's only locked into that million-dollar-a-year contract for another six years. Jason Tomalolo wants to play Origin after he's represented Samoa, New Zealand, North Queensland, and now hopefully Queensland. Tonga. And of course, and uh, Tonga. And of course, they are now overreacting, as we do, changing the rules mid-season and talking about introducing an 18th man into rugby league. Where do you want to start? I'm, I, this week, we'll definitely we'll get an 18th man announcement by uh, Julius Caesar, a.k.a. Emperor Volandes. Look, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, none of this surprises me. He did say that if the rules aren't working, we'll have a look at introducing them. The 18th man isn't a bad thing. I think there's been a lot of concussions. And if you're going to take a little bit more... I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. You've got four people already on the bench. That was an anomaly on the weekend. Two games, Canberra and Cronulla both ran out of cattle. It's unlike... It's very rare that you run out of your bench altogether like what happened on the weekend. Is this... Is this the... Canberra cattle that's responsible for the Canberra milk? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's sponsored by Canberra milk. What are you talking about? Uh, maybe it is an anomaly, and I suppose, you know, whenever that happens and teams do lose a lot of players, there's always a clamour to change the rules, and maybe just wait a, a few more weeks and see how it goes. But I, I think they should be open to it just in case it continues. I think they should change the rules to help out the struggling teams. I think they could start with the Bulldogs and play them against the under-11s. <laughs> That'd be great. We'd probably still lose. If you're getting a flavour for this, listeners, there'll, there'll be quite a Bulldogs flavour today to the podcast, and at least an hour and a half will be dedicated to G's analysis of the game on the weekend. What about Jason Tomalolo playing Origin? The way I look at it is it's the main two states that play rugby league. It's an all-star game. That's the way I've always looked at it, and I think the fact that they exclude people that play for, say, New Zealand, I don't really think they should if it's just purely an NRL showcase of the best talent that play for New South Wales or Queensland, pick the best talent. 
irrespective of whether... I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with you. I agree with you for a number of reasons because over 50% of the playing roster is Polynesian. Of course, right? And I think they should be able to represent Tonga and stuff like that because rugby... And still play Origin. That's right. Like... But, I mean, it goes against the traditional white view of rugby league where, you know, you've got a... It's a selection trial for the national team. And and it's and Origin, in many ways, is bigger than the national team games now. Well, it is now. And let's be honest, you know, it never really is a selection for the, for the national team anyway. But it's it's a very outdated view now. Ma- main, mainly because the test matches are played four months after Origin's played. Yeah, mainly like, the, you know, it's not the 80s. They're still managing it like the it's the 80s. And I think... To be honest, the one thing I don't like about Origin is they've created this literally like a boys' club around it where if you haven't played, you don't understand it and all this other kind of rubbish and bullshit that they carry on with. So they create all these kind of exclusive clubs like Fogs and former Origin greats and, you know, you have to be a part of it to understand it. So, you know what, cut the rubbish. Like, at the end of the day, if it's the best of the best, pick the best players regardless of where they're from. And if it's from Origin, if they started in Queensland, they play for Queensland. If they started in New South Wales, they started in New South Wales. And to give me that bullshit about we upholding the integrity of State of Origin, then how come players that first played in New South Wales can end up playing for Queensland and vice versa? Like, I mean, they've broached it many times. Tony Carroll used to play for New Zealand, then play for Queensland, then play for New Zealand. My favourite one, my favourite one. Brad Thorne, the All Blacks. Like, I mean, come on. Greg Inglis, Queensland great. He grew up... Kempsey. Eight hours south of the Queensland border. Yeah, like... <laughs> he, he wasn't... He wasn't, with, he wasn't within eight hours of the Queensland border. Any, yeah, I know. And I mean, that's what I was hinting at in terms of, you know, people that originally played in New South Wales under the rules they get changed and Adrian Lamb you remember when they ran out of players he used to play for Papua New Guinea and all of a sudden he was okay Fatty Vorton yeah yeah regardless right he was a great player but at the end of the day the rules have been bent many times before so why not is the way I look at it and Jason Tomalolo first of all I know he wants to play Origin but mate how about you pull your finger out and actually play good week to week anyway ah we're going to get to that we're going to get to that so that, it's a good segue he's injured but yeah well I don't know that he is I, so, the, so the the news around town is that there's been a big fallout between Todd Payton Val Holmes and Jason Tomalolo they're not happy with the way he's coaching the team now that's a club up in North Queensland that's had traditional player power it resulted in Paul Green leaving and Jason Tomalolo's got another six years to run on a million-dollar-a-year contract. So how do you see the power struggle between Todd Payton and the, the players playing out? I don't know. I think, really, it's going to come down... More, to, more hard-hitting analysis. It is, no. This is brilliant analysis. It's going to come down to what the board wants. Is What I mean by it's going to come down to what the leadership of the Cowboys want. Is Todd Payton there in person long-term? Or do they think he's just there to sort of help shape up some of the players? They signed him a three-year contract. He used to be the assistant coach under Paul Green many years ago. He's a North Queensland... Uh, he was seen as a uh, almost an internal appointment. So you've, he's, he's, lit, he's literally three games into a three-year contract. I mean, they've looked diabolical. Yeah, exactly. They, right, clearly, they, they clearly are not playing for the coach at the moment. Easy, it's an easier option... To be honest, to let Tomalolo go or be bought out by the Roosters probably because I'll fit him under the cap. Well, apparently, apparently you guys um, were going to swap. You, you guys were going to swap a Kia car for Jason Tomalolo, but then pulled the Kia at the last minute. It's one of those things. I think it's are they willing to let Tomalolo go because this is where it's heading. And Val Holmes, to be honest, I think for that type of money, you've got to question what you're getting back. That for what they're paying Val Holmes and Tom Lolo. so I reckon it's going to go the other way. I think Todd Payton will, mid-season, end of this season, he'll get a run. 
But I think if their form doesn't improve or they keep getting toweled up every week, I think they'll get rid of Todd Payton. I think that is a much easier decision to sell to your fans than potentially getting rid of Val Holmes and Jason Tomalolo. But we'll see. Okay. What about Michael Morgan? He's been a shadow of himself for two years. He's clearly been carrying this injury. Yes. I actually think he's probably more fitting of a medical retirement than some of the people that have been medically retired. See, the way I look at it as well is similar, is that he's obviously hasn't been himself for a couple of years, and you put it down to whether poor form, but a lot of players carry these type of injuries and no one really says anything. So, you know, they, they play busted a lot of these players. And I think now it's probably gotten to the point where he just can't probably perform at an acceptable level anymore and is thinking about getting the medical retirement. I think if that's the case and he's been carrying it for so long, I think it's a shame. And you can sort of see he just isn't himself anymore. He just, he, you can actually argue whether he really should be in first grade. And the answer would probably be no. Well, but I mean, he's still got two and a half years to go on a million dollar a year contract. So he's got two and a half million to be paid out. My question is not whether he's eligible or he should get medical retirement. If he's injured and it's permanent, he absolutely should. And that's the rules there. There's, but there is an incentive for these clubs at the back end of these players' careers to get them to sign these massive contracts because even if they get hurt, then they can just medically retire them and not have it hit their cap. There is a loophole in the rules at the moment. I mean, and, I, and I'm saying that as a Paris supporter, that's exactly what we did with Anthony Watt now. It's, it's the smart thing to do. Um, and if it gives him time to rest and get better, then fantastic. But I think if he's really thinking about it, then he probably should just take the season off and see if he comes good and... He can give it another run in a year or two. But if not, it's it's just sad to see people's career end with injuries, you know. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up, like the injury toll. It's been a topic of contention. And there's two ways to look at it. For me, it's that, you know, you've got a lot of sports around the world. They, they're really monitoring fatigue closely and sort of trying to keep players fresh constantly. And the NRL has done that by virtue of having the interchange and managing minutes that way. And the game's sped up a lot, and you can see some players probably still don't have the bodies to sort of... I don't think the game is quicker. I was going to say, do you think it's the speed of the game? No, no. I think the game's quicker than it was in 2019. I think the game is noticeably slower in week two and three than it was in week one. They're not blowing as many six-to-goes from the ruck and the 10-meter line, if you've noticed. Statistically, they're not blowing it, or they're blowing it when the game's already won. So you don't think that it's people are getting injured because they're getting fatigued? I think a lot of people are saying that. I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure it is. Not last week's ones. I don't think it's fatigue related. Well, I'll go through some of the injuries. Look, you've got Kiri, ACL. Um, Lachlan Lamb did his MCL. But I think Kiri's was interesting. But Lachlan Lamb was basically getting caught in a tackle and his knee bent at a particular. I don't think that had anything to do with fatigue. It's just one of those things that it's unfortunate. Jeremy Marshall King broke his foot. Tarpane, I'm not really sure. They said it's his ankle, but he was going backwards and just fell down. So do you think that might be an Achilles? Don't know yet. Don't know. They haven't announced what it could be. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. That's why I'm wondering. They haven't really said anything, but the way he went down, just sort of, you don't usually just run back and then severely sprain your ankle and get carried off, if you know what I mean. He's a big He's a big out for Canberra too. He's been playing unbelievable. And the other stuff, like you say, you know, you're probably right. Dylan Edwards, contact injury, like a broken hand. Ben Hunt, contact injury, broken leg. And he played 61 minutes or something with it. You know, so some of those are just unlucky. You know, I don't know if it's fatigue related, but you have to question maybe, look, I love the Roosters, not the team, but I mean, the way they are as a club is fantastic, the way they operate. But that's a lot of ACLs in a couple of years, right? Let me give you the people that were out this week, yeah, between this week and last week. Ryan Pappenhausen, Nathan Cleary, Ryan Madison, 
Dylan Edwards, Tom Eisenhuth, Luke Keery, Lachlan Lamb, Lindsay Collins, Victor Radley, but he'll be back shortly, Jack Gosiewski, Michael Morgan, Bradman Best, Ben Hunt, Hudson Young, Joey Tarpanay, Ryan James, Sebastian Christ with a terrible head knock in the Cronulla game, Jared Croker, Curtis Scott, Peter Hiku, Jeremy Marshall King, Sione Katoa, Mitch Moses, Wade Graham, Britton Nakora, Will Kennedy, and Mike Sivo. That's a lot of players. A lot of, lot of, lot of players. A lot of it's HIA. A lot of it's knee, elbow, contact injuries. They're not, they're not fatigue, muscle injuries, right? Which would indicate, you know, fatigue or speed of the game. They're not hamstrings. They're not, they're not those types of injuries. I mean, the reason why I mentioned the Roosters only is because you can see that they train and play at such an intensity every week. But they've had quite a few ACLs the last couple of years, and maybe it's just all the football's catching up with them because they basically played to the grand final. Well, they play 30 games a season, right? But the other thing is, I mean, I've got, I've got a bit to say because I saw Sonny Bill's interview with Trent Robinson, um, and, I, and, and, and I, it was quite revealing for me, but we'll, we'll, we'll cover it off in the, in the Roosters game. And the other thing is, it's probably a couple of things, is um, we've got Talia Eggers. She made the news today with um, all the, the, the Twitter stuff. She probably gets the Perspective Award. Well, that's right. And uh, you know what? Good honour for taking a stand on her principles. Whether people agree, disagree, I think it's, I think you know, it's good for her to sort of speak out and say what she thinks. And Dylan, and just reading a bit earlier today that the dogs are still oh, trying no, to no, make no, a Oh, no, 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 no. Dylan Napa, the Dylan Napa thing. Can we cover it off in the Canterbury game? Please, please. Because I think, I think... There's an epic rant that people should stick around for for that game. And to be honest, like that's about it. Nothing much has really happened other than those things. I mean, not as much drama this week. One other thing is, what's with News Limited and Craig Bellamy? Like, have they got a vendetta against him? Like, what is that about? Cam Smith, like they're attacking the storm quite a bit. I actually agree a little bit with Paul Kent here. Now, what the wrestling that's been going on for 15 years? How come he didn't say anything 10 years ago? He has. He has been saying it for ages. You you just stopped listening to him and reading him. Here's the here's the thing. Here's how it started. Paul Kent came out on NRL 360 and said, "If you want to stamp this out of the game, Felicia Kafusi should have got eight weeks." A view I actually agree with. Then Craig Bellamy in a press conference got asked about that and said, eight weeks for that is ridiculous." And Paul Kent had a right of reply. And what he went on to say was, and I haven't got the quote in front of me, but words to the effect of, "The the NRL has been changing the rules." to stamp out everything that Melbourne's been introducing under Craig Bellamy since 2005. The chicken wing, the what, all, all the, the, the crusher, all the tackles that have been introduced. It's very easy to stamp out. So the way you stamp it out is a, a friend's boss is an ex-first grade referee. They basically used to count to three and you had to get off the tackled player. So regardless of whether your limbs were caught under someone's armpit or whatever they do with the wrestling moves, you didn't have time to wrestle because you basically had to tackle and get off. And if you didn't, they'd blow a penalty. So that needs, if you want to get rid of it, that's what you do. Too late for that. Too late. They, yeah, these guys have been trained. Gee, Melbourne Storm have three wrestling sessions a week. Yeah, but they've always done that. Well, what I'm saying to you is... Read between the lines here. You're almost getting as many wrestling sessions as you are contact I know. sessions. Yeah, As of fitness sessions. Yes. Because the game is won and lost in the ruck. Of course it is. Look, I'll give you an example, right? Since Aiden Tolman, when you watch closely Aiden Tolman compared to the, his other forwards that he used to play with at the Bulldogs, you watch the way he tackles and the way he wrestles in the ruck. You can see he's been schooled by Melbourne. Like, it's very, very different. I don't know if you watch the game on the weekend, 
But he may have been the only one doing any tackling on the Bulldogs. And he wasn't even there. So that's even that's even fa- that's fantastic. <laughs> I just cannot wait till we get to the Bulldogs okay, move game. On. If we move on to round three, we'll we'll cover it off. If you if you haven't noticed already, we've got Angry G on tonight. Angry G has been upset upset since about five thirty on Saturday afternoon. I can't imagine why, but I look forward to getting to the not so super Saturday games. But we start the round off with the Panthers Storm game, which was an absolute cracker. Now Nathan Cleary and Ryan Pappenhausen were ruled out before kickoff, but what a game! You know what? For me, it did. G. It highlighted the difference between the quality of the top teams versus the rest. It's like a different sport. Oh, it's it's chalk and cheese. It's like a different sport, exactly. The Storm were leading 10-6 with two minutes to go and lost. I can't help but feel that with Cam Smith there, they would have won it. This is the intangibles that Cam Smith brought to that team, the leadership, that he would have got that team over the line with two minutes to go, and that's what you miss. Jesse Bromwich failed to deal with the toe kick off the left edge, and two tackles later, Capewell beat Chris Lewis and Kenny Bromwich badly, actually, really badly. Tired tackles. Yeah, tired tackles. They were tired. Tired tackles, and they went in, and Stephen Crichton converted. The man can do everything. He can. The Panthers were in front 12-10 with less than one minute to go. It was a great ending to this game. The Storm kicked off short to the Panthers' left edge, and Stephen Crichton then knocked the ball on, and he knocked it into Mitch Kenny, which should have actually been a penalty to the Storm, but... Given the state of refereeing, remember, because they're not blowing penalties, no one's talking about the refereeing this season. That was actually a mistake. That should have been a penalty. It was accidental offside to the Storm, and they would have kicked for goal. This is what I mean by the rules change every bloody two years. Like two years ago, there was apparently no more offside penalties, and if it was accidental, it would be a scrum. So which is it? Is it a penalty? Is it a scrum? Like, I can't even keep up anymore. The refs are probably confused. To be honest. If you touch the ball into a player you're on your team standing in front of you, it's always been a penalty. No, but they changed it. They changed it and made it accidental offside a few years ago, right? I didn't know they changed it back. I don't think they changed it to accidental offside. Okay. So just Justin Olam then seemingly scores. Seemingly scores? What about bloody passing the ball? <laughs> After ignoring an unmarked Josh Adokar, what were you thinking, Olam? Justin Olam, oh my God, you've got the fastest man in the comp unmarked on your left and you thought you he looks like Barney Rubble. He thought he was working in bedrock and he was going to tunnel his way into the line. He passes that ball, they win. They win the game, of course they do, but but it's it's ruled no try after Kikau comes from... Faking an injury. From the left edge of the field to hold up Olam on the right. What an athlete. Just, just what an ending to the game, but... Unbelievable. A great athlete. He faked an injury, lied down, and realized there was no penalty. I actually did think I, I did, actually did think it was obstruction. Because you're not allowed to do that. You could, if you make contact with the guy on the line, that's it. It's 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 pretty clear that one. So it's I actually thought it should never have got to that point. But despite that, if Olin passes the ball, he gets they they, they win the game. So gee, Matt Burton, what a game. I, I noticed on last week's pod when I was listening back to it, um, you said you weren't sure about him. Well, I think you should be pretty bloody sure about him now. So so your scouting reports, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, that's right. Terrible. So, Hey, it's the first time I've actually seen him in first grade really playing as a half, right? Other so, other, other than last year when he, he played, played those games when, when Luau was out. Are you watching any of the games? When you Are play you? the dominant side, I think it's very easy to look good. Cor- hint, e, hashtag Corey Allen playing for South, right? Oh, then we'll get to that. No, we'll so to- what I'm saying is like, you look a lot better because everyone around you is playing at a different speed. They play, they run the right lines. No, but Matt Burton's kicking game looks good, G. He can get some distance. One thing I'm impressed about his kicking game is 
it's not the distance is actually phenomenal, but his accuracy is incredibly great kicking game. He's he is immediately immediately he probably has the third or fourth best kicking game of the halfbacks in the comp. Oh, I was surprised at how good and he it can't was. get a start. Adam Reynolds one, Nathan Cleary two, Daly Cherry Evans hasn't been playing this year that well. Mitch Moses's kicking game has been okay this year. There's and, a lot and, of good and Matt kickers. Burton. Matt Burton, though. It's his distance and accuracy. He's got both, which is actually surprising. And can I also say the second rowers of the Panthers were outstanding. Kikau and Capewell, they were fantastic. Just just brilliant. Dylan Edwards broke his arm. Um, can I say the best player on the pitch was actually a Storm player? Cam Munster was superb. And he's been playing superb every bloody week this season. Just fantastic. Now, the Storm would probably feel hard done by not winning, particularly in the first half when they had... A sloppy decoy play result result in a no try. They should have got that. That was just sloppy execution. And they had 53% and 59% territory in that first half. So so they really should have been ahead by more at halftime. Um, and, and the last thing I've got to say is the Storm this week as a result of this loss are outside the top, ten, top eight. This is only their ninth week in the last 10 years that the Storm have been outside the top eight. That's how consistent they've been. Oh, that it doesn't surprise me at all. And honestly, we should talk about we should just do a pot on the storm and their record in the last 15, 17 years. It's uh, it's totally unmatched. They're like the San Antonio Spurs, basically of the NRL, um, where even if they get players that are cast offs, they still turn into really serviceable. Look, it was just a great game. I think what you saw was they both played good football, but the defenses are so good. Great quality game. It's hard to score. I actually think with Pappenheis and the Storm win... I thought Nico Hines played really well. He did. He plays very well, but there's a difference in speed and attacking. So when they're attacking the edges, his ball playing is fantastic. He's smooth. I just think he it just gives Adokar and some of his runners a bit more space. I don't think it makes a difference because the Storm lost the game because just because Barney Rubble wouldn't pass the ball to Josh Adokar. That's part of it. But I also think you can see how evenly balanced they are. And they are. lost they lost the game with that, that left edge. They were tired tackles, right? Yeah. I mean, their, their defense is sensational. I do think, again, Pap, they miss Pappenheisen from the back. They do. Nico Hines is a fantastic player, but more smooth and more a passer. I thought Remus Smith played really well in defense. He's been playing I was well surprised. for the Storm. He got carved up by South like in the first game, but you can see him improving week to week, which is his defense was actually... Excellent. Remember, they've had a shorter preseason, so it's going to take a little while for some of these players that are new to these systems to click over. But Brandon Smith, probably playing a lot better at hooker than I would have thought. I think once Harry Grant comes back, Melbourne will probably go to another level. I thought Luai kind of adjusted his game a little bit to play a bit more of a senior, more composed role around the field. I thought he played really, really well. Mr. G, well, Luai switched sides for this game, if you noticed. He was, he was on the right edge to cover where Nathan Cleary normally is. This is another one of my hobby horses. The, the, the way they name the teams is ridiculous. It's right, left, and middle. And Luai was on the right, and Matt Burton was on the left. And, and they looked pretty good. Really, really good game. And for me, I thought Dylan Edwards was playing up in the line a lot more, a little bit more like a Gutherson role. And he's been playing better this season too. <laughs> he's getting the ball running. And so it's you know how we said he's not as really ultra quick as some of the you know elite fullbacks? But getting the ball on the move has allowed him to use his footwork and he's got good footwork and good passing skills. So it's made him, but just a, honestly a fantastic game, like high quality, good determination, great defense, great attack, desperation. 
And you can kind of see why these two teams, for me, are probably going to play in the grand final unless they end up on the same you know, side of the, the draw. It's got a lot of similarities to the Brisbane-Canterbury game, which we're going to cover later off. Yeah, which plenty. So far as they are supposedly both the same sport. So we may have seen the best game of the season and the worst game of the season in the one round. So we'll, we'll cover that off a bit later. So we move on to Friday night's game and we go from one spectacular game to another for different reasons. Saints versus Manly. Um, and this game was spectacular on because Friday. Because it was at Wollongong and you could see the sea in the background. Great, great you could backdrop. See the, <laughs> I'm surprised the dogs weren't playing there. Is that what made it um, a great game? No, I said oh, it memorable. Okay. And it was memorable because Manly were terrible. They're, they're right, their right edge made Saints look like the early 90s Raiders. Oh, they were just woeful on that right what, edge. Was Matt Dufty a pint-sized Brett Mullins, was he? It was uh, like they manly have got some. We got some terrible teams in the comp this year. Um, Corey Norman in a contract year was great. Set up three tries. Really good performance. Um, he's obviously looking for another contract. What, what I like about Des is um, he's got manly. He's been re-signed. He's got manly's defence right in order. They've only conceded 110 points in three weeks. So they're making um, they're making the Broncos last year look like a efficient defensive Roosters type outfit. Manly made 16 errors. So they dropped the ball 16 times. They completed at 64%. And the Dragons made 10 errors as well. So it, was, it wasn't a high-quality game. And Manly had 23 tackles in the Dragons' 20 and didn't look like scoring. <laughs> I mean, it's just... The Manly hookers are giving them nothing. Dylan Walker is not a fullback. And Moses Suli was completely ineffective. Uh, for the poor Dragons, they're playing really well and they're finally getting something out of Ben Hunt, but he's broken his foot after coming into some good form this year. So that I, I haven't seen how long he's out for, but it looks like it's going to be many, many weeks. Um, and of course, Zach Lomax and Matt Dufty got a double. Um, DCE, Suli, Saab and Gosiewski are the right edge for Manly. Um, and Gosiewski on his own missed five tackles. I mean, it's just a t- they just went through them, they carved them up. Daly Cherry Evans secretly has been playing poorly. Given given the disparity mm. between the teams in the comp, yeah, um, this is good signs for the Dragons, but the Sharks handled them comfortably in round one, so I can't tell if they're better or the teams around them are worse. I mean, other than Schuster looking really good, there were absolutely no positives for Manly to take out of this game for me. Uh, this is the weekly does Corey Norman give a shit week, and honestly, he was sensational. And you can see why... But was he, sensa- he was sensational because he was up against Manly's right edge and they are terrible. Partly, right? But then also, if that was, say, like Nathan Cleary carving him up, people would say it was a sensational game. Like, I mean... Yeah, but Nathan Cleary does it week after week. Corey Norman does this four or five times a year. Yeah, so far, two weeks in a row. I mean, his pass, his step and acceleration and swerve to almost put Dufty away. His pass was a little bit off. It's against Manly and the Cowboys. I know, but he's he's carving these teams apart, which is fine, right? Which is what he's got to do. But I thought Corey Norman was the difference, and you can see Ben Hunt, sadly now has broken his leg, but playing with a lot more confidence, like a Gee, lot more. it's the Cowboys and Manly. The Roosters look good against crappy teams the first two weeks, and Souths, we're going to cover them. Souths won that game comfortably. There is a big disparity, big disparity between the crappy teams and the good teams. There is, without a doubt. But last year, Corey Norman looked like he didn't care for nearly any game at all, except when they played the Broncos towards the end of the year, and was practically the best player on the field. And Ben Hunt really struggled, right? So I think the fact that they're stepping it up, even against the crappy teams, and they blew them manly away. 
Everyone's blown Manly away. Everyone's blown. They've, con- they've conceded 110 points in three weeks. Everyone's blowing Manly away. I'm not saying they weren't good. I'm not saying Saints weren't good. I'm not saying that. I just, what I can't tell is when they play the crap teams, I can't tell whether the crap teams are really, really bad or if these teams are that good. I really think it's one of those seasons where you've almost got to strike a form line when you play the Cowboys, the Bulldogs, the Broncos, Manly. There's a lot of there's a lot of crap teams, right? So I think the thing is they're all going to beat each other, but it looks like the Dragons have a little bit more when they're in enthusiastic. They have a little bit more strike power than some of these other teams. So I thought Dufty had a, a fantastic game backing up and Cody Ramsey. I think um, they're, they're playing with a lot more enthusiasm, and so when they make a break, you've got people flying into the gaps and looking to score. And they're a lot better. I think there's just some signs. Saints are playing with a lot more enthusiasm. And they do have one or two weapons. And with Corey Norman engaged, they can make use of them. Well, they're playing the Knights. They're playing the Knights. The Knights have got a lot of injuries. And if they don't get over the Knights with a lot of injuries, then I think it's flattering to and deceive. For Manly, I don't know. I was going to ask you, what do you think's missing? Well, players. Players. About eight players. That's what's missing. About eight players. Schuster. Hey, well, I thought he looked okay. He looks okay. He's got some talent with the ball. You can see it. He's got vision and, and good five hands. 5'8". They played him in the second row, but he's actually it's a 5'8". too big eight. to be a 5'8 um, in first grade. I tell, I tell you who I would be worried about if I was Manly. Jake Trebojevic. He's looking old and slow. He's looking like fatty at the end of his career. He secretly, not well, not secretly, I think he's been very disappointing so far. He can't... He's been terrible. He's like a workhorse with skill, right? But now that... But, but, but he's not doing either. He's not gaining territory and his passes aren't sticking and it's not deceiving the opposition. And he's just... He's on a lot of money to be a middle-of-the-road forward. And look, with, with Turbo coming back in the next couple of weeks, I think Manly will improve. But to me, they just don't have much. They, they, they play a possession-style game, which is Dez's tactics he's a very percentage driven coach very percentage driven but they don't have the talent to make those percentages work in their favor so they're getting they're flogged. just a team out of form they're just a team out of form dce hasn't been playing good he's been missing tackles i mean they're really targeting him in, him in defense as well because they've got to target that side because kieran foreign's known as being a good defender right and he's a bit bigger so they just target they don't have a hooker their 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 supply from dummy half has been terrible Dylan Edwards, I, I, I just he does oh, offers them nothing yeah. from the back. Dylan, sorry, Dylan Walker. They've been bad. They've been really bad, really bad. They're just struggling, and then I think once you know the team, another team gets one or two tries, they just it's almost like their heads drop because they know deep down they don't have enough to come back. I think psychologically, they they struggle when they get behind. Yeah, well, I mean, it gets a bit easier for them this week. They're up against the Panthers. So, if we move on to <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way they're playing, that could be... 60. When was the last time someone scored 80? A point a minute. Oh, oh I can't remember. We're going who back to Dave Brown to 100 years ago, right? No, yeah. the Raiders got close once, and I can't remember who was it. Was it the Tigers or someone scored 71, or was it Canberra? Okay, well, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there was a game that scored 71 could... against the Tigers, I think it was. That was probably about 8 or 10 years ago, which was an unbelievable scoreline, or it might have been Penrith. I can't remember. I've got to look I mean, it up. I mean, oh my God, the Panthers have got attacking power everywhere. Kikau is going to be up against that right edge of Manly. I mean, if they play like they did this week, Kikau could get seven tries. <laughs> That'll be good. It'll be great to see. So, all right, let's move on to the... Des Hasler might kill somebody. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, let's move on to the second game, the derby, the, the, the foundation clubs, the area you and I grew up in. So we know all about Souths versus the Roosters. 
Um, it wasn't as big when we were growing up in the area as it is now. I thought the Roosters were disappointing. That's South the Roosters weren't that great. No, that David Truella was their hooker for a long time. So South Souths beat the Roosters 26-16. A, a few things. Uh, one thing I do want to say before we get into the analysis of the game. this I, For the first time in a long time, I watched the Channel 9 coverage, and I watched it because Sonny Bill Williams was on. Now, he copped a lot of criticism for for his first go on social media. Now I didn't know that. Otherwise, I would have tuned into Channel 9. I watched it on Fox. Very disappointing I missed out on Sonny Bill. Well, I mean, it's probably he's probably relieved that you didn't. Okay. But, but Sonny Bill is very important. I think he'll get better. It was his first go. People are really harsh on him. And more than 50% of the players are Polynesian. So it's very, very important that the Polynesian kids see and hear a Polynesian voice on the coverage. So I'm all for it. I'm a supporter. You're not going to hear criticism from me. And I actually thought his interview with Trent Robinson was really revealing. Can I just start this analysis of the Souths versus Roosters game by um, saying, I think the Souths have Roosters measure, and I think the Roosters were really, really disappointing. Luke Kiry, ACL, Lachlan Lamb, MCL, Lindsay Collins injured, Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, and Adam Reynolds completely combined brilliantly to attack the Roosters' right edge. That right edge is incredibly strong, and they tore them apart. So, fantastic. Cody Walker, man. He's just... Oh, man. Like, wow. Like, he's so cool to watch. He's... Honestly, he's fantastic to watch. Just his instinct and the way he can read the game, it's unbelievable. Just makes the right cut, the right time, gets people... Finds space everywhere. His skill is just... He's fantastic. I just can't believe it took him that long to play first grade on a regular basis he's over 30 he's just unbelievable so we can we can add Cody Walker to the stalking list um I mentioned Sonny Bill Williams earlier he was actually right so he he said ill-disciplined errors killed the Roosters and they did they made eight first half errors dropped the ball eight times and completed only six out of 12 sets in the first 35 minutes they made seven errors in the first 20 minutes so it was just a terrible first half performance the Roosters were more concerned with going after Jay Arrow both Jared Warrior Hargraves and Daniel Suluka Fafita getting... Well, he got binned for a rabbit punch, which we haven't seen in years. And Jared Warrior Hargraves, when he was in, when he was introduced, was... What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, that's right. Absolutely bloody terrible. So all of that added up to the Roosters making 212 tackles versus 122 by Souths in the first half. I'm not making those figures up. 212 versus 122. And it was 18-0 at halftime and the game was over. Do you think some of it was the Roosters' overconfidence in their defence? Because they were giving away, I felt, six agains on purpose to reset their line. But eventually they just couldn't keep going. And South just came on top of them. I think... I, no, I, I actually... This time I actually think it was the attack because they couldn't keep the ball. Yeah. They just kept handing the, handing the ball over. So they had to give away the six agains to reset the line. But if they'd kept the ball, got to their kick, you've got to remember, it's not the fact that you've dropped the ball. You know, it's a throwaway line from commentators. It's what it is, is you drop the ball on the third or fourth tackle and you've actually cost yourself 50 metres in, in, in territory, right? Or, or field position. So it's not it's not that you dropped the ball, it's that you didn't get to your kick. That's the issue with dropping the ball. So you're handing the ball over with momentum to the other team. That's the issue. And I thought that was the problem for the Roosters. They they was terrible. It was unroosters like real really unroosters like first half performance. Now, Trent Robinson again said with the interview with Sonny Bill before the game kicked off that they spent more time concentrating on attack this offseason. And that looked the case against the Tigers and Manly. But could just be that the bad teams are really, really bad. What does this mean for the Roosters for the rest of the season, really? I mean, I think they'll move Manu to 5'8 and Sam Walker to 7. 
So Manu came through, came up through the ranks as a half, so a running half, a bit like Dylan Brown at Parramatta. They need to get their hooker position sorted because Freddie Lussick at nine was terrible. Now, Freddie Lussick looks like he's um, <laughs> he's a substitute for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> not not the Backstreet Boys, not known for their their, their passing out a dummy half. No, they're not. <laughs> so, so he's like the old. He, he'd be the captain of the boy band team. Honestly, he's even got the ninety early nineties haircut. Yeah, yeah. Are you having a go at people's hair? Yes, I'm, I don't have any, but that means you scrutinise people's hair with a closer, a closer eye. I thought it was Dane Gagai's best game this year. He's been pretty good this year. I, I mean, he's a bit like Wonga Blake. He gives you a lot in attack, and he's a terrible defender. But yeah, look, I was surprised. I thought the Roosters would. They looked fantastic, and something just didn't seem right. I tipped the Roosters. They seemed a little bit off. But, you know, you've got to give credit to South's left side. I think the fact that they've got Alex Johnson on the wing means that defence can't really cheat inside. They attacked through the left side. But if you notice, it wasn't the left edge. South's had this attack, and they did this last year. They don't split the team right-left as much as the other teams do. So what you'll notice is, yes, they attacked through the right edge, but they didn't attack the way you think. It was Latrell, Cody Walker, and Adam Reynolds combined, combining. Yeah, so it was the fullback coming around the back and both halves on the left-hand side of the ruck. The way, right, they're attacking that left side, but when you've got Johnson on the wing, it gives the, in- the players on the inside a bit more space to operate, and they're all combining. And But it's a, di- it's a different way of attacking. It so- is, but it seems to throw out the Roosters' defence, right? It seems to work. It does, it does, because not, every, not, not all the teams attack that way. You'll see, you'll see them doing more and more of it with the halves combining on one side of the ruck. But the Roosters are really, really good at it. Really good at it. I just thought South played a really good game. It's the best game, obviously, of the new, the new season so far. And not just because they beat the Roosters. They looked a little bit sharper too. And it, they kind of took their opportunities and they were a bit too good. I mean, you know, the big thing is, is their big players like Luttrell and Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker st- stood up and played fantastically in a bigger game. Really well. Which is really a good well. sign, right? And Mitchell, I'd love to see him drop another, honestly, like you say, a five, six kilos. He was pretty telling. He's carrying a lot of weight and he'd be even more unbelievable. He's just so powerful. I mean, he's young. He can get away. He can get away with it. He can, but you just think, you know, with that a bit of extra pace, it would be add a lot to South's attack as well. We've just got an email from Wayne Bennett and he's wondering why you haven't been stalking him. I'm not sure. Um, why haven't you been stalking Wayne? Look, I'm sad to see the injuries to Lachlan Lamb. I thought he, he's he's been playing relatively well this year. It's it's a pity he's been injured. His footwork, it's Better great than watching Kyle him. Flanagan. Much better, and some um, he's he's great to watch. I love the players that have got great footwork, and the step he put on Campbell Graham before he got injured was you know just fantastic movement. And sadly he's injured, but luckily in a way it's only an MCL, and hopefully he's back in a few weeks. And um, but yeah, Luke Keery gone. I I mean, do I think the Roosters can win the comp without him? No, but do I think it's going to stop them? Well, I, th- I think they'll change the way they play. I think they'll go back to 2019, 2018 way where they're going to defend their way. To victory. I think they'll try that. I think they'll try that. I don't think I still think they'll be in the top six teams. I think the games will be a bit more of a grind. I don't think they can win the comp, but they'll, 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 they're the Roosters. They'll still be there or thereabouts. Absolutely. And I think it's a massive loss in terms of beating, say, a Penrith or Melbourne at full strength. But I think they'll still be in the top five because overall, they're just too, too so much better than everybody else. And Sam Walker will get a good run. And honestly, they plug and play players. They're a bit like Melbourne. Sam Walker's meant to be the next big thing, right? He's meant to be the future half, yeah. Suwali looks like he's going to come in as well this week and probably get a um, run is off he, the bench. Is he meant to come in this week? Is that is that the rumour that yep. he's going to start this week because of the injuries? Off the bench, yeah. One thing I did notice for South is there was two players. I mean, Jai Arrow 
seemed to get a little bit monstered in the first one or two games, but I thought he played really well. And Mark Nichols, Mark Nichols had a great game, finding a lot of space and cutting back inside. I love him on the cricket. I love him when he's hosting the cricket, Mark Nichols. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, South is a good, it's a really good win and a good sign. Great, great win. So we move on to the Saturday, the not-so-super Saturday games. Um, first up was the Raiders versus Warriors. What a game! It's a classic game of two halves. Um, the Raiders were the first team to lose after scoring 20 points this season. So that's the first time that's happened this season. The Raiders were brave, really brave, after after injuries to Joey Tarpanay with an ankle injury. Ryan James and Seb Chris knocked each other out. Jared Croker picked up a finger injury, as well as all of all of these injuries forced a reshuffle in the defensive line, and and limited the Raiders' interchange because Curtis Scott bravely defended on the right Raiders' right edge, and he was gone too. Broken rib. Yeah, he had a rib injury, so he had to stay out there, and he was targeted by RTS in the second half. The Raiders were up twenty-five-six after George Williams' field goal before halftime, and then thirty-one-ten with 10, 10 minutes into the second half, they were up thirty-one-ten. But but then RTS happened. Please, Cody Nikarima RTS. Four Please. unanswered tries, including one to Murdoch Masilla that only looked two and a half kilometers forward. <laughs> that was going back to Sydney. It was it was, that was mate, a... that was you know you know Tom Brady's forward passes are less obvious than that. It was unbelievable. What about Cody? So RTS's second half was 137 metres, six tackle busts, two line breaks, one try, and an absolutely astonishing last second try saver on Jordan Rapana, where he was horizontal to the ground. It was the best half by an individual player this season. That's how good RTS was in that second half. And in another good sign for the Warriors, Sean O'Sullivan was good as a replacement for Chanel Harris-DeVita. With a try assist, two line break assists, 74 running metres and 200 metres in kicking yards. Um, it was, It was. I'm getting to your bit, I'm getting to your bit, it was Cody Nikarima's best game this season. So he, How uh, good was that try after half He played well, and afterwards, did you see the interview? He owned up to being your child. So <laughs> That's okay, don't, just don't tell anyone, Cody. <laughs> and, and, and Ryan Sutton for the Raiders was fantastic. I really enjoyed this game. It was a good game. I mean, the, the two halves, like you say, were pretty much two totally different things. I saw good signs for the Warriors, but how much of me thinks change in philosophy or is it because they're getting smacked 25-6 they thought you know stuff it let's start throwing the ball around the Adam Fanua Blake try was a good piece of skill amongst the forwards but it's funny when you watch a lower grade team perform it compared to say like Penrith it's it's a lot slower you can see it oh yeah the the, the quality in the game yeah, yeah. effective but slower O'Sullivan I, I agree I thought he played pretty well actually he looked pretty composed he came for those that don't know O'Sullivan came up through the Panthers and he just had Luai, Burton and Cleary in front of him. He couldn't get a run. I thought George Williams was really fantastic the first half. He was a lot more involved in the I, game. I agree with that. Second half, he wasn't that great. No, but, you know, it was good to see the Raiders' attack sort of adjust a little bit. Like we were saying that Hodgson seemed to dominate the first couple of games. And I don't think he was as dominant in this game as much. And I think their attack had a little bit more variety in the first half. And despite, you know, the concussions and some of the injuries... Well, they had no no interchange. No, they put them away in the first half, right? Yeah. The, the try by Rapana, the first, the second one, Ryan Sutton, with Rapana's pass and then looping back around, and then the kick was... That's, a, that's fantastic football. It's great to watch as a fan, right? And I think in the second half, to be honest, I think the Warriors were like, we're going to lose. Let's start throwing the ball around. They started actually playing some football. And when you start to get... 
indecision in the defence and there's offloads and people looking for the offload. Well, that and, play... and it was reshuffled. They didn't know. The Raiders didn't know. The defences are so structured these days, right? So when I had no been... idea how to defend it. Correct. Correct. No idea. Exactly. Right? And then you had Nikarima hunting. They don't get the injuries. The, the Warriors don't come back into that game. I, I agree. I think that played a big part of it. Like, I, in my notes, I think the last try where Pompey scored in the corner, if Curtis Scott's not injured, Pompey probably doesn't score that, right? That's right. That's right. They targeted him. They targeted him. But the fact was they started to play football. They were offloading. They were playing off the offloads. Like they were waiting and all playing off. The, and RTS went hunting for the ball. And honestly, Cambridge, I know they were tired, but they couldn't handle it. And the try, the highlight for me was the Cody Nicarima try, or one of them anyway. After, of course it After half time. Oh, mate, he gave a pass. Look at you, look at you like a proud dad. Yeah, he gave the pass. He backed up again, stepped past three or four blokes, got tackled, got back up, got the pass around, then jinked past five guys and ran 30, 40 metres across field and scored. It was just, I love watching that stuff. And you can see his talent. He's got great footwork. He's got great vision. He needs to play in a team that lets him play football. And I would say so far in his career, he hasn't really had that opportunity. Cody, if you're listening, if you're listening, your dad's sorry and he wants you to call home. But, you know, if you got the Warriors passing the ball around and playing football, and you got RTS and Cody Nicarima around. I mean, the thing about this was they they picked the right moment to do it. They picked the right moment to do it. Yeah, this when week. they were losing by twenty points. Yeah, but they can't do it all the time. So, so I mean, it's finding a balancing act. But it was great as a neutral. It was a great game. It was great. The pass was honestly that was so forward. It wasn't funny. Oh my god! Like I get the whole How momentum thing, it? and you know you pass the ball. Don't backwards. get me started on Henry Perinara. Don't get me started on Henry Perinara. <laughs> that was forward, right? Regardless, can I ask you if Henry Perinara missed it? How did the touch judge not pick it up? What I are don't the touch know. judges that, there for? To make sure people run out. Oh, they've, they've made some good calls lately. I don't know, man. And what I about Co- they, I just... Cody's fantastic goal from the corner, which meant the Raiders had to score a try in the last second to win the game. And far out, like, what a finish, right? Like, I thought, oh, yeah, great finish. Rapana's going to score, finish. and literally RTS comes out of nowhere and hits him probably in the only place that will dis- dislodge the boy. Hit him in the bicep. So he lost his grip. Just an amazing finish. Jordan Rapana probably should have gone with two hands on the ball. Probably. But, you know, if you're diving everywhere and scoring. He had time to do it. He wanted to go flashy. And he is a niggly player, right? He likes the show. Of course he is. Yeah. yeah. So, Look, that's what's great about him. And another highlight is some of the footwork by RTS. I mean, that spin move with about four defenders around him. Oh, fantastic. That was unbelievable. Who else could do that in the league? You probably got players like Lachlan Lamb, but there'd probably be maybe three, four guys, maybe. And they're not not doing it as consistently as RTS. RTS RTS for years, everyone was saying um, about Teddy being the best fullback. RTS was absolutely up there with him. Absolutely up there with him. But because he plays for the Warriors... He's out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Exactly, exactly. And the team's not as dominant, right? Like, I think if they... I think they should just play good football. I I thought Murdoch Masilla looked good. When they played football, they looked heaps better. Heaps better. So the Warriors have got the Roosters, a depleted Roosters. So it'll be interesting to see how they go this week. That'll be a big test for them and the Roosters, actually. That's going to be a really good game. As a neutral, I loved... It was a good spectacle. It was great to watch. There was a lot of good things that... You know, exciting things in that game. Yeah, it was fantastic. Now, if you think that analysis on that game was long, it was because G was avoiding the next game, which was 5.30 on Not So Super Saturday. So once again, it's that time of the week. Grab yourself a little bit of scotch. You're going to need something stronger this week. Put the fireplace on if it's cold where you are. Settle in. Turn the radio up. Light the candles because it's that time of the week. It's Bulldog's Hour. Do you know when you're podcasting, you know, I'm pretty sure you can actually add an effect where you're just beeping 
or have a beep. This might just be one long beep. Mate, this was the worst game of football I have ever seen in my life. It was my notes for half time. okay? My notes on the first half. Were they as blank as the attack from both teams, like as in nothing? 2-0 at halftime, both teams poor. <laughs> that was seven errors each, okay? I don't care how many errors. Trent Barrett, I want an error and a half of my life back. Okay. You owe me that. Oh, oh my God. Seven errors by each team in the first half. 14 drop balls and 19 missed tackles by the Dogs in the first half. The Bulldogs lost the second half, 22-0. The Bulldogs have not scored a single point in 164 minutes of football. The Broncos dominated in the forwards. Yes, the Brisbane Broncos. They ran for 500 more metres than the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs ended up finishing the game with 40 missed tackles. Herbie Farnworth was made to look like Mal Meninga. One try assist, 16 attacking runs, 252 metres, six tackle busts, three line breaks, 17 tackles. Jermaine Azarko, the new Brett Mullins, one try, one try assist, four tackle busts, two line breaks, 202 metres. Your Bulldogs have scored 16 points in three games. Adam Elliott tried hard for the Bulldogs. He always tries hard. Oh, the Nick Kotrick experiment is dead. He's terrible. This is terrible, terrible football. The game was riddled with errors. Let me give you a stat. Combined, there were 53 missed tackles and 20 errors in this game, okay? There was only 88 sets in total. So it was almost a missed tackle or error every set. And then afterwards, you you tried to swap Dylan Napa for Matt Burton earlier on in this season and then pulled the offer on Dylan Napa. I would have swapped Dylan Napa for a four, kilogram, four kilograms of brushed potatoes at Coles. This was a terrible game. Over to you, G. I would have swapped him for Greg Alexander, and Greg Alexander is close to 60 years old. What did you see out of your dogs? I mean, you, what you've done, what Trent Barrett's done is he's taken, he's taken a poor attack, and you've scored 16 points in three games. He's made that worse, and he's taken quite a good defense and made that terrible. So over to you. I don't know what concerns me more. The fact that he seems to have a perceived eye for talent and yet the best fullback he's got in the team took him two and a half weeks to figure out that Corey Allen isn't a fullback. And as soon as Nick Meany went back there, okay, we still got flogged, but at least he was actually marking up and touched somebody that ran through the line. He actually made a break and showed the only attacking class that we we had all game basically. And it's taken him two and a half weeks to figure that out because he was so enamored with Corey Allen, who was horrible. Corey Allen tries hard. I actually, his attitude generally is okay, but he's not a fullback, right? It's obvious. He's locked the third or fourth best fullback we have. Avarillo is a better fullback than him. He doesn't add anything. He's not involved in the play. The, the worst thing is the game was boring. It's not that they didn't score points. Sometimes you have games where you are off. It was a terrible game of football. It almost felt like they were both going in slow-mo when I was watching it and sort of trying to not make mistakes. I think bar the first break by Elliott and throwing a 74-meter forward pass to, to Kyle Flanagan backing up, I don't know if that would have changed things because, to be honest, we haven't looked like scoring a try in three weeks. Gee, you're a shambles. I'm more passionate about the Bulldogs than you are. You're a shambles. Let me, let me, read, let me read you a text message I got from a Bulldogs fan on the weekend. Mate, Trent Barrett is effing shit coach. Told you we can't score. They are slow. They run one out and no backup. Just one out, kick tackle. We are going to come last. 
Man, effing bullshit. All these coaches are effing shit. They just do the same shit and hope that they have enough talent That's to win. Right. All he's That's done right. is get them fitter than they have ever been. Kotrick, I think this person meant. Effing shithouse. Terrible, terrible team. I'm not discussing them on the pod this week. I'm so pissed off. And yes, you're right. It was G. It makes me wonder how much he actually had to do with the Panthers, or was it because they're so fast and so tall and so athletic that it made him look like he knew what he was doing? Because what I've been really disappointed, and his comments after the game really worried me in terms of they didn't stick to the game plan. Ah, uh, hello, Trent. Yes, they did. They played one-out football, conservative football. No one was backing up. There weren't runners in motion. They basically tried to kick and pin the Broncos back and just tackle them. That was the game plan. They stuck to it quite well. The problem is you can't score when you do that. You throw no nothing at the defense, and we don't have the talent like Penrith do to just make breaks, right? So how about you start coaching the players and actually you've got them fitter, I'll grant you that, but how about you get them backing up a little bit and actually playing some football? What about defensively? What did you think of the Bulldogs' defense in the second half? They get caught out on the fringes. Like, I thought Avarillo played a lot better than he has. His defense was actually a lot better than in the first couple of rounds. And he was trying to feed his outside backs early ball to get them in space. The problem is our centers are Kotrick, who beats 10 players and makes 5 meters. And Will Hopawati, who just has no pace left. So he's giving early ball to players that can't do anything with it. Katoa and Meany are two fastest players, barely touch the ball at all. Adam Elliott looks the ball play. Now, whether you think that's effective or not, why doesn't he have runners with him? He's running into gang tackles and then trying to flick a flick pass to someone who might be there. The attack is a shambles. Corey Allen, okay, is that fullback. Why isn't he ever involved in the attack? They seem to me to just play a very simple game plan and then trying to do a set play at the end of it, and that's it. It's not going to cut it because you don't have the talent. And the fact that we haven't looked like scoring in three rounds is a real, real, real problem. You know, I thought Renault for Tony play, played pretty well. Like, gee, gee, they might Brisbane might be the second or third worst team in the comp, and you got you got you got towelled twenty four nil. Oh, it wasn't close, right? And Asako, you could see with Brisbane, and this is what I think Brisbane have got pace. They've got potential. They've got they've pace. T- they've got potential. They got, and you could see their confidence rise as soon as they scored that first try. They were like, "Hey, we can win this," and they stepped up into another gear. It's their first win in two hundred and fifty nine days. Yeah, and- but you could feel it. You could. See see their energy level go up right you could see their confidence and they think we're going to win this and honestly we just had nothing and the thing is that it was boring if you're going to lose Trent Barrett throw the ball around mate do something you know what don't make me waste two hours of my bloody week watching well you don't watch football so where to now for the dogs honestly from what I've seen the first three weeks unless he has the drastic and this is the thing he like I said he mentioned the game plan so apparently he has one if that is the game plan in the first three weeks, we're coming last and it's not even going to be close. And you've got Souths this week. We will get smashed by Souths. And I can't see us beating anybody because that attack isn't going to trouble anybody. If it didn't trouble Brisbane, it's not troubling anybody. I, I don't think you can defend or attack. I mean, I just don't know where the wins are going to come from the way you're playing. And look, for the Broncos, I thought, honestly, they they gave it a red-hot go. Farnworth had a great game. He, he, he torched Will poor Will Hopawati. God, Will Hapwadi has a good attitude, but physically he was getting, like, he just had no, he couldn't The problem for him. Will Hapawadi is he is noticeably slower than he was a few seasons ago. That's right. And Sarko, he added that extra bit of directness from the back yeah, and the speed. Yeah. And the acceler- I mean, the try he scored on Corey Allen, to be honest, Corey Allen should have got near him, but he basically got his ankles broken. Like, What do you think of Corey Allen? He's a center or a winger, and that's it. For who? 
And he's not that fast either because you saw him, Xavier Coates, he had him right there and Xavier Coates just blew him away. Like, it wasn't even in, anywhere near him. He was 5, 10 metres slower. You know, if you got plays that are slow, you need to play a different style of football. So I don't know if Barrett's up to it. And I really, really worry the fact that they're still trying to think Matt Burden's going to fix it. Matt Burden isn't fixing anything. What if Have you guys considered relocating to Brisbane to be the Brisbane Bulldogs as the second team there? Oh, who knows? They've tried to do that over the course of 20 years. They probably will. i just just really disappointed. Like, I haven't seen anything better. I've, I, I, actually, I actually feel sorry for the dog supporters. I really do. It's a shambles out there. And what about you? Last week you said to me they're going to make the semis in they're going to make the top eight in twenty twenty four. I was yeah, well, geez, that's not looking good, is it? <laughs> How are you going to make the? It's only three years away. I don't. I look. My thing is I haven't seen anything from the coach so far that's been any positive whatsoever. Would you rather have Dean Pay or Trent Barrett? Well, Trent Barrett's got him fitter. He obviously has a little bit more structure, but to be honest, same same. There's nothing like run one out and kick the ball like it's a conservative attack and you know what doesn't cut it and you have to get creative mate if your players aren't talented enough to just beat people just by turning up then how about you change your game plan and play some football how about you move the halves around how about you get the fullback involved how about you back up like you know it's not that hard maybe that maybe you should go out there and sprinkle some of your jim dimmick fairy dust out oh. on I mean, you spend enough time in the car park at Belmont. You may as well actually do something. Yeah, maybe just run over the run over the coach and get him replaced. I don't minutes. think we're just uh, allegedly, allegedly. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Look, good to see the Broncos. They were fired up when they won the game, and you see Xavier Coates. Oh, what a great winger! But you know, they, they were they weren't that good either. That's the scary thing. No, they weren't. This was a terrible game of football. Jim. Touches of class from Asako and Coates. Seventy three. Missed tackles or errors in 88 sets. Oh, don't worry. It was a terrible game It's a terrible game of football. The quality of the football was woeful. That, that could be the worst game of rugby league I've seen in top grade for a long, long time. Do you know what the weird thing is? You were joking about a nil or scoreline, and I, sh- I shit you not, it was actually looking like it could be nil or. Well, you could see it coming. You could see it coming. Neither These teams are both terrible. Anyway, you came in off a long run-up, G, and you didn't disappoint. So we'll move on to the last. Can I just say, the first three weeks of the season... The Saturday games have been terrible. <laughs> They've been terrible. Anyway, Foxtel, good luck. All right, last game of Not So Super Saturday, Parramatta versus Cronulla. The mighty Eels got up 28-4, but the scoreline flattered them a little bit. It came right at the end. There was a lot of injuries. Mitch Moses, Wade Graham, Britton Nakora, and Will Kennedy all ruled out in the first half or just after halftime with HIA and Sione Katoa with a medial ligament. Parrish should have done actually better in the first half, but eight errors and... Uh, Versus Cronulla only made four, and we only made completed sixteen out of twenty-two sets versus eighteen out of twenty for the Sharks. Meant they went into halftime only ten-four up. They butchered a few. Um, Fergo and Sivo got the tries after Sione Katoa put the Sharks up, um, and it was a set play from the scrum. And this is what we're missing this year because there's less scrums. So, see, that's what that's what yeah. I mean about the scrum. Will Smith, who came in oh, to yeah. play for. Mitch Moses was great. Gutho, yeah. Reed Marnie, Nathan Brown. They all did a lot of ball playing with Mitchell Moses out, right? And we actually, whilst we didn't get the finished product with the try over the line, we've got some ball players there. This is what I mean to the para fans about Mitch Moses overplaying his hand. He's the only one that gets the ball. But what you saw on the weekend is actually Will Smith can do it. Gutho can do it. Reed Marnie can do it. Nathan Brown can even do it. And and Dylan Brown was looking really good. His hands have been a bit shaky this year, but but he's looking really, really great player. In the second half, the Sharks only had 13 fit players, so no interchange. And Para had all the territory. 
They had 74% of the territory in the first 30 minutes of the half, in the second half, and 69% possession in the first 30 minutes. So, so See, look, I, th- I thought it kind of reflected that, right? Like, the Sharks kind of hung in. and Their defense is good this year, the Sharks. Really, really good. They were brave. They defended gallant. quite well. And like you, mate, I apparently in the first half when they were throwing the ball around a little bit, I saw good signs in terms of really attacking the defense. And they were, like you say, they didn't get the finished product all the time. But they looked a lot more dangerous. It looked fluid. It looked fluid to me. Yeah, it didn't look rusty, like if that makes sense. It, did, like it didn't of... look like they had to think about it, which was a great sign, right? So, And Nia Kore, I think he's going to be our starting right centre. He was sensational again. I think Wonga Blake's gone. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, been saying, I've only been saying it for a season and a half. What about the step and passing from Junior Paulo on the RCG try? That's one of oh my Oh, my God. It's the cutout pass, first of all. So he's got vision. The cutout pass the wrong way. It's the not natural way. It was left to right. Spiral. Yeah. It was a fantastic pass. Backing up. This is what I mean, right? Backing up. And then the step. Then the step and then the ball play to put him through. The f- I think they're actually... Why don't you guys get Junior Paulo in to play halfback for you guys at the Dogs? That doesn't matter, right? But the thing is, I think Para's making a conscious effort at times to throw their attack around a little bit. I do... Look, I'd like to see Dylan Brown run the ball a little bit more. I think the more he ran, the better their attack looks. I thought he ran the ball okay. You could see when he runs it, Para's attack looks a little I'm bit better. I'm actually the other way. I want him to... I think he's good direct runner. He's a bit like Laurie Daly. He's a bit like when Laurie Daly first came into grade. He's that type of player. He needs to add a bit more guys to his game, right? He needs to he needs to pass just before the line or or put a step on, and he just needs to introduce a few more things. But he's, I, I think he's a, he's a player for the future for us. Oh, for sure. Cronulla ran out of energy. The the game, like you say, I don't think the score reflected the game so much. Cronulla, Cronulla did a good job defending, and they only had one tackle inside the Parramatta twenty in the second half. So all the territory in possession was with us. Nearly, when you look at those statistics, you know you'd think Parra would have won by forty or fifty. So the defensive effort was really good. And I like Gutherson. I mean, his involvement's always good. But you can see when he made that break where he took the ball and then counter-attacked. And that's what I love about him. He's always thinking of attacking. This is He's got this mindset. Where he's, you, I love players like Clint Gutherson where they're always looking to attack. They're not happy to just have a scrum. If there's a gap, they take it and they run at the gap. He's always plays like that. He's an aggressive attacker. I love that about him. But you can see that he has doesn't have that top-end speed, right? But he just comes around and he's always involved. He hits the ball moving and he's passing. Honestly, his passing is... How can I say? His timing's always right. It's like he gives the ball at the right time. He gives it like with enough space for the guy to move. Honestly, he's a fantastic footballer. He really is. The more he gets involved, when you've got Dylan Brown, all these guys playing off him, and now Paulo is adding something totally different to their attack. He used to do the offloads, right? But now he's actually jumping out and passing the ball. It's giving them variety, and I think that's really important. Will Smith? I thought he looked great. I thought Will Smith was great. A little bit more room to move, right? And you get a little guy like that, he's... He's more confident to make his mark on well, the game. Well, I actually think he was a bit not as good as Cody Walker, obviously, but but a lot less predictable than Mitch Moses is. He is. And, I mean, his pass where he floated it over to Sivo, that was an awesome pass. Like, great hands and then, like, vision to throw it over three people. And he's the guy that's going to do the chip or the kick into... Like, he's, he's clever with his kicking and those... He he's just gives you something different. I thought it was a great game with Will Smith. Like we said last last week, they're probably not too far away. They, You know, adding a little bit more variety to their attack, I think they're getting close. They need that against the bigger teams because they don't have the outright pace and athleticism like Penrith and, Man- and Melbourne, right? But that variety of their attack and their forwards and Paulo and passing and the backing up makes them different. And Nia Kore, 
happy to offload and pass the ball. And Fergo doesn't want to be somersaults. I love watching that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. So, all right. Well, we've got a, we've got the traditional Easter Monday game against the Tigers, who were actually better this week com- coming up. So we'll cover that off in the round four preview. So we move on to the games on Sunday. Um, we've first up the Channel Nine game was Newcastle versus the Tigers. Um, I was not expecting this from the Tigers. They have they have been terrible. We thought Madge Maguire had lost the dressing room, and it was Mitchell Pierce's three hundredth game. So they bought out a selection of dogs just for, to help him celebrate his 300th game. Newcastle made 18 errors versus the Tigers 6, and worryingly for Adam O'Brien, this was the same problem they had last year. Inconsistency, not turning up to play against teams below them on the ladder, and adding to the Knights, to the, to the Knights injuries, injury woes was Stafford Toa was ruled out before kickoff, forcing another backline reshuffle with Shibasaki moving to the wing. <laughs> he could argue that he cost him the game. Oh, he did, Shibasaki. he did. I mean, Shibasaki and Dom Young had six errors between them, and unfortunately, Shibasaki had an absolute bloody shocker. So um, he was terrible. Adam Adam Dewey was fantastic defensively, running, and his kicking. It's passing. Oh, his passing. He was just he was just fantastic. But his running was good. His kicking was good, and he was solid in defence as well. So it was a great performance by Adam Dewey, all round game. I also thought the outside backs for the Tigers took a lot of accountability because God knows their forwards didn't in the first few weeks. And were almost like, well, they were almost like forwards. Norfoluma, Tommy Talao and Asu Kapoa ran for almost 440 metres between them. That's like forward front rowers numbers. The Tigers led 18-10, 20 minutes into the second half, but then was down 2018 with 10 minutes to go. So this can happen with the Tigers, right? Um, but then I thought Dewey and Brooks really took control of the game and got them home. The, the Tigers' attitude was chalk and cheese compared to the previous few weeks, but they still conceded four tries, and defensively, I still think they look shaky. It's 90 points in three games now. Their defence, I thought Newcastle let them off the hook with a few tactical adjustments. I think the Knights should have won that game, to be honest. And well, I they should have. Once they got up, once they, once they got up 2018, they should have won it. Yeah. But but then I thought, I did, I, I'm going to give Dwayne and Brooks credit. Luke Brooks takes a kicking, and I thought I thought he played really well. I thought Dane Laurie's been fantastic for the Tigers this year. He's almost been their best player this year. But, I, but I'll tell you who made a difference for the Knights in that 10-minute stint where they got up 2018. Daniel Saifidi. He almost won the game with his second stint. He was amazing in that second stint, right? Look, the one thing I saw was the attitude. Look, the Tigers' attitude was way better. Chalk and cheese. They just showed up. They showed up. Positive regardless. But I also think they got a little bit lucky with some of their tries as well. And to be honest, like the one for Stefano, you know, that was poor defense by Frizzell and stuff like Because he was pretty much the only guy running. And they... It was last tackle. They were expecting the kick. Yeah, um, so I think it was a more a misread on the on the defence's part. That, what they were expecting is Stefano to be a decoy, and he's going to be a good player, right? We didn't want to lose him at Para. They thought he was going to be a decoy, and and I think it was Luke Brooks held it, held it, held it, and it was almost like Joey Johns used to give that pass. Remember when he, back in yeah. the old days, and he used to be the face ball just at the last minute. Instead of dummying behind him, he gave him the ball, and he was through. And then there was no way they were going to stop him from that point. The attitude was was better. And I think the defence at times was shaky, and I don't really think the Knights took advantage of that. But the Knights had a lot of players out, and there was a backline reshuffle, and you know, Kalen Pong is still not back. But there's a little bit of this. This is something I've picked up with the Knights, and I think they don't back up through the middle enough. And they had the Tigers on a plate through. But the is middle. that because is that because of Kalen Ponga? Ponga's not there. Not really, because I think even with Ponga, they always have him looping around the back and playing on the fringe, right, and passing or trying to step. But he does inside, back up but... through the middle. 
for the offload and that sort of stuff. Because you yeah. look at Mitch Pierce's try, right? That was basically a ball and offload through the middle and runners coming to Connor Watson. And there was a lot of times where Connor Watson was kind of going through the middle looking for players to pass to. put, And there was no one running through, right? Connor Watson's a good player. And I, and I think he tore the Tigers up at times. And I th- don't think the Tigers' defense is great. No, but the attitude was there. Like, at least I committed this week to Tigers. And you know what? This is what happens. A few errors... They took advantage of it and scored and won the game. For the Knights, I just think, you know, um, they missed Bradman Best a little bit. Well, I think he's recuper- he's recuperating at KFC. And when Tex Hoy kind of started to get more involved in the middle, they started to carve him apart a little bit and they came back and took the lead as I a result. agree with that. That's why I'm saying I reckon that Kalen Ponga thing, because he's he's much better player than Tex Hoy, right? If Kalen Ponga's in there, I, I actually think they win the game. The Tigers, better. I mean, they put themselves in a position through their attitude to win the game, right? Do I think the Knights kind of let them off the hook a little bit? Yes, I do. This is what Adam O'Brien said last year, right? The mental concentration, Knights have got to be able to keep their foot on people's throats. That seemed to be missing a little bit. Um, I love Frizzell's try. Like, you can see the the drop in weight where his agility, like the step and the swerve and then the acceleration, right? Last year, he was more a straight line runner. So that was a fantastic try to watch. Poor Shibasaki, mate. Like, oh, he was terrible. Far out. He was terrible. Far out. I actually really like him. I like the fact that he's got Japanese heritage and he's there, and it's great. It's great. It, the diversity. It's great for the comp, and and you want we want more of it. But but my god, he was terrible. He's not a winger though. He's not a winger either. No, he's a center. He's a center. I don't know. It was kind of weird game, right? Like I wouldn't say it was high quality, but I think maybe a Sunday afternoon, the sun's shining, the Newcastle crowd was out, so you could hear him chanting. Crowd, it was great to see. Great to see. I think it was it was good to watch as a result. It was back and forth. Good on the Tigers. You know, they need a win because I think if it kept on going, I think it would literally all fall apart. And if they've got an easier run of games, it might help Madge a little bit to get a little bit more... Um, well, they got para now on the Easter Monday game. Interesting to see how they go against para, you know. So I think they were lucky to win, but their attitude put them in place to be able to take advantage of the Knights' mistakes. And I think the Knights let them off the hook. Good, good summation. So we move on to a team now, the last game of the round, the only team that makes the Bulldogs look like they're well run, the Cowboys. They were at home against the Titans, and they naturally lost this game 44-8 to for the, against the Titans. The Cowboys are in disarray. They've conceded 93 points in three games, um, and they've only scored 26 points in three games. So their attack is only marginally better than yours, uh, and their defense is just as bad. So At least they look like scoring a try every now and again. Well, they've only scored... You've only scored 16 points, and they've only scored 26 points. You guys have conceded like 90 points, and they've conceded like 93. I mean, both teams are in disarray, and the Cowboys are right there with you guys. It's a race for the wooden spoon. Dave Fafita continued his good form with a near-unstoppable performance on the left edge. Two in a row. Two, one try, four offloads, 11 tackle busts and 178 metres. It's a massive performance. Kick out like. It was great. That's what you're paying for, right, with Dave Fafita. He was great. Val Holmes got moved to fullback with Michael Morgan injured and Scotty Drinkwater for 5'8". They had some glimpses in attack, right? Better better for them. Like They did, the Cowboys, I thought... You know, in attack at times, they were coming from a bit of depth. And when they came with a bit of depth, they troubled the defense, the Titans' defense a bit. And they scored a couple of tries. Um, but overall, the attitude wasn't quite there. But, you know, but like you say, they had something. They had something in attack at times. Yeah. But but the forwards were completely dominated by the Titans. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Cowboys had 42 missed tackles, including eight by Mitch Dunn and five by Josh Maguire. Um, whilst Dave Fafita and Tino Fasul Malawi and Moeki Fotuaka 
ran for over 150 metres each. So remember those numbers I gave you about the West Tigers three quarters? Three of them ran for 440. Well, I mean, these three forwards for the Titans ran for nearly 500 metres. I mean, the only thing I've got left to say is where to now for the poor for for the poor Cowboys. I mean, they've got the Sharks at Shark Park. So I, look, I don't I don't know what's next for these teams. Well, depending on how many people the Sharks have out, that might even things up a little bit for the Titans. I think there were really I reckon, good I reckon, signs. I reckon Sharks could play their reserve grade team and beat the Cowboys at the moment. Maybe if there's a, if there's a definite a definite dressing room rift, that's quite possible. I thought. In this game, I thought Tanner Boyd made the Titans look... I like Ash Taylor a lot, but he was far more direct and attacked the line a lot more. Ash Ash Taylor hasn't been playing well. Has not been playing well. I think Tanner Boyd played played really well. But Jamal Fogarty gets them around the park, right? All Tanner Boyd's got to do is run. And that, but that's it. They need they need the other half to threaten the line, right? So it gives their other players space. And it's important because, like you say, Fogarty's more directing players around. He doesn't run as much. So it's important to have the other half able to threaten the line. For me, I thought the move to Pete from Peachy from the bench to the starting lineup made a massive difference. He carved... Cowboys apart because he just added that directness and the ball playing on the fringe and it gave Fafita space on the edges right and Brimson was Brimson he was everywhere which was awesome I thought Philip Sami sort of carved the centers up a little bit and I mean I thought Peachy was yeah Peachy was dynamite it made their attack very very different it allowed some passing through the the forwards and that showed with Jermaine Jolliffe making that massive break towards the end of the, the game. With Cohen here, seriously, he was like about four metres away. But the Cowboys are terrible. I mean, I just I just can't tell with some of these really bad. They're really, really, they're almost reserve grade bad. Manly's one. Who else is it? Manly, Brisbane, Canterbury. The Tigers up until this week weren't great. The Cowboys. I mean, these are not great teams. They're not, and I think play. Look, I think Cohen Hess is probably more suited to be a prop, not an edge back roller. He's kind of looks the part, but he doesn't play the part, right? He's tall, yeah. he's 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 muscly, he's you know he's agile, but not agile enough. But I thought the Titans looked way better. Their attack looked very different. The move of Tino to more of a prop rather than a third prop on the field made them more agile in attack. I agree, and gave him versatility, right? And I think I agree. Tino's been playing good for them. Tino's been playing good for them. Well, it was sensational on the weekend, and I just think the backs played off the back of that, and honestly, they couldn't stop them. They carved apart the Cowboys. Like you say, the one positive for the Cowboys, when they did attack with some depth, they at least can score a couple of points. Maybe not 40, but you can see that there's a little bit of attack in Definitely there. Definitely not 40. No, but um, yeah, I don't know. Their, their defense is a bit shaky. With the Queensland COVID scare, the Titans are meant to play the Raiders this weekend. I don't know if that, that, that game goes ahead at... Gold Coast? Maybe not. We have to see. It changes by the minute and by the by the hour, right? So, and the other, yeah, I think the Titans look better, a lot better, and we'll see what they got again this week. Their attack looked different and a little bit more direct and a little bit more of what we saw last year. So, good signs. Good, great signs for the Titans. So, well, they'll be there or thereabouts for the eight, I reckon. That's my, I, I've seen nothing to change my opinion of that. So, that brings us to the to the conclusion of round three. Just to let you know, Jim and I had a talk over the week, um, the week last week, and Did you? had a chat about the attacking philosophy. Yeah, so Peachy made the move back to the starting lineup. Okay, what could possibly go wrong with this plan? Well, nothing yet. We'll have to see. Who have they got? They got the they've got the Raiders at, at home, meant to be at home, so we'll see what happens with there. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. All right. So moving on to round four. Of course, it's the Easter round. So first up on Thursday is the blockbuster clash. 
between Manly and the Panthers. Manly are eight dollars, and the Panthers are a dollar seven. And Manly, they're at nine. They're at nine dollars now. Are they? Yeah, they've they've, they've gone yeah. out, have they? Yeah. So so Manly are Manly are plus twenty to, to win this game. I don't think the plus twenty is enough. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. They could bring um. They could bring the nineteen eighty seven Manly team out from retirement. They're going to get tailed up by more than twenty in this game, in my opinion. What do you think, G? I mean, what is there to say from what I've seen from the Seagulls? They've Tommy Turbo's not back. Yeah, at times they've hung in, but as soon as they get behind, it's it's almost like say they they know that they can't keep up, and those they start to drop in intensity a little bit. They're trying hard. I think they're trying hard at times. They're just not good enough, right? And I think that's a concern. So the Panthers' defense, I can't see them letting the Seagulls score more than two tries, and there is no way the Panthers are going to score less than at least four tries. Desi Hasler said that he's going to change the right edge with Moses Suli and Jack Gosiewski. We'll pull, and I quote, we'll pull that apart and we've got to get better at it because Penrith will be coming down there. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, I could have, I could have driven a Mack truck through your right edge. You can play those people anywhere and it's not going to make a difference. The Panthers, they'll be too fast for them and Mandy won't score because their defence will be too quick. And if you can't score, your head does drop a little bit, right? It's hard to do all the nitty-gritty stuff when you kind of can't score a try. And I think if the Panthers get a couple of tries early, yeah, 20 plus. I don't think the Panthers will get in within 20. So moving along to the Friday game and we're following... Uh, that blockbuster clash between Manly and Panthers. By oh, the, the Storm and the Broncos. No, we're going to the Dogs versus Souths. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I conveniently missed that one. Oh, uh, did you? Did you? So the yes. Dogs, last night when I checked the odds, the Dogs were $8. And again, the No, Souths, they're still at $8. And they were $1.07 for, for Souths. Um, the Dogs have 21.5 points start against Souths. It could be 70. No, it's not going to be that bad. You don't think you could lose this game? You couldn't see a scoreline of 56-6 or something like that in this game? Um, no, I don't. I actually think defense-wise, funnily enough... You conceded four tries against the Broncos. Through the middle with... I don't think the Rabbitohs have as much... South scored four tries against the Roosters' defense. Not 50. Not 50. I actually think it'll be probably about... Probably the scoreline, my guess would be probably about 30 to 6. I, I think I, my lock of the week is Bulldogs will concede 40. I can't believe I'm being optimistic by saying we'll lose by 30. <laughs> you are. You're being absolutely oh optimistic. I can't see you. I, How I embarrassing. Look, I don't care what the team's name, but if I had my, my go at naming the side, I you could You could put... bring back the unknown Mortimers and... You... Well, they got nothing right because their recruitment was based on poor talent identification. I'm not having to go at Corey Allen, but if he's your big signing, then that means you can't spot talent, right? In terms of he's not going to make your team better. He's a player you add to a team that is already solid across the park. So Kotrick's not going to improve. I would actually probably swap Kotrick and Allen, put Kotrick on the wing, if you have to play Allen, play him at centre. I would actually play... Lachlan Lewis looks like he's going to come in. Apparently played a blinder last week in New South Wales Cup. Well, that's not going to matter. Ogden will start instead of Dylan Napa. I mean, I, we didn't cover the swap properly. What were your views on that? At what point in the last five or six years did... This is what I mean. Just because Dylan Napa played State of Origin, if anybody watches him play, he does the odd big hit and that's all he adds, Right. He's poor in defence. He's slow in getting back. He leaves holes in the defence constantly. If there was a swap, if you really wanted Matt Burden, and it's getting to the point where the Bulldogs sound like they're just going to drive there, kidnapping him and taking back the It normal. really does. It really like, does. It, it's, like, that's the only thing left that they haven't tried, right? 
How could you not swap Dylan Napa for him when you've got 45 other props on your bench? Renoff Atoni, the youngster, is way better than Dylan Napa. You could see it on the field. It is obvious. So so we both agreed Souths by at least 40. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think there's anything they can do unless they change their tactics and then really just throw the ball around and hope that they score a couple of points. But I reckon Souths will probably it'll be a bit close to 30. They scored 24 against the... Roosters, and you think they'll only concede 30 against the Bulldogs? I just don't want to think that I want to watch a game and watch it be 50 to 6. It could be. They scored 26 points against the Roosters, who have one of the best defences. Can we move? I just hope Cody Walker decides, you know what, this is going to be an easy run, fellas, and kind of eases off a little bit. I hope for your sake you're right. I hope for your sake. If he doesn't, we're in trouble. (laughs) Big trouble. So moving on to the Storms versus the Broncos. Storm versus the Broncos. The Storm are $1.07, and again, the Broncos are $8.00. And the Broncos are have a twenty and a half point. I don't know where they got the half point from for the, for the Broncos. Twenty point five point head start. If Ryan Pappenhausen's back, then I mean, I I could see the Storm scoring quite a few points on the Broncos too. Yeah, I think if Pappenhausen's back, I think the Storm after the run against Penrith, I think they'll. The Broncos weren't good against the Dogs. The Dogs were really bad as well. But they will play with a little bit more confidence, I think, Brisbane. But this, you're coming up against the Storm, I think, and in Melbourne. In a way, I feel sorry for the Broncos that they're playing Melbourne straight after that game. You would have hoped they would have played, you know, um, like a Cowboys or someone like that. Unfortunately not. So I think the Storm, very easy win. I don't. The Broncos just aren't good enough to beat these teams. So, But I think they'll keep it closer than people think. I think the Storm will probably, you know, win by between 10 and 20. I don't think they're going to flog them. I think the Broncos... At times, we've got a bit of heart. I think the line's right, though. Twenty. I think 20 and a half's about right. For the line. Can you believe that there's already three games with a plus 20 head start? Like, far out. Jeez. Which, like, some of these teams are... I know you look at it through rose-coloured glasses. Some of these teams are terrible. And your oh, team's no, no, one of terrible. them. terrible. It's a different game. You watch the speed of play is different. It's just some of these teams are absolutely terrible. Anyway... Okay, the next game, we move on to Super Saturday. Um, first up is the Sharks versus the Cowboys. Sharks are $1.35 favourites versus the Cowboys, $3.25. The Cowboys are getting plus 8.5. Now, my controversial opinion, I think this game will be closer than people think. The Sharks have a few players out, and I think the Cowboys will be stinging after their first three weeks' performance, and they'll be away from home, and Val Holmes coming back to Shark Park will be very motivated, particularly if he's a fullback. I think this game will be closer. I think this game will be closer. I know we've talked about the Cowboys being terrible, but this is the game I'm a little bit uncertain about. Sharks have got a lot of injuries. And I th- I don't know if they can overcome the injuries. Against Para, they hung in, but they had nothing left, right? So I wonder if they're going to have enough to beat the Cowboys. And the Cowboys at times showed they can attack. I'm actually probably going to tip the Cowboys, but only because of the Sharks' injuries and only because of the injuries. Um, but I'm, I'm really not certain about this game. I just think the Cowboys played with depth at times and they could score points. And I think if they score points against the Sharks, the Sharks might struggle if they've got all their players who went off for a head injury assessment out this week. I think they'll really struggle. Well, let's see. I think this game will be closer than you think. I don't think it'll be a high-quality game because of the Sharks injuries, but but I think the game itself will be closer than people I think. think. It'll be, I'm agree. It's going to be a hard game to pick, and I think this is one of those that could go either way, to be honest. Because of the Easter Monday game, there's only two games on Super Saturday. So the last one's actually probably one of the better games of the round, if not the best game of the round. That's the Titans versus Raiders. The Titans are $2.45, and the Raiders start $1.55 favourites. The Titans have a four-and-a-half-point start. Um, if this game was being played on the Gold Coast and with the Raiders' injuries, if all those players that couldn't play are out, 
the, the Titans are in with a shot here. I'm actually going to tip the Titans. Um, I saw enough against the Cowboys, even though the Cowboys were terrible, but more in the style of play that the Titans adjusted to. And I think that will suit them against the Raiders. And I think the Raiders will be a little bit more susceptible to some of their, their players running on the fringes and offloading and passing the ball. I think that's how you can get the Raiders because they've got a pretty big forward pack. They're mobile, but you can attack them if you're passing and, and, and trying to play through them at times with backup. And I think Brimson will turn a couple of those breaks into tries. So if if, if the game if the Queensland COVID thing and mm. they have to move out of Queensland and the Gold Coast, I'm not sure where they play this game. If it's in Sydney, I think that'll bring the Titans or the Raiders to the party. Or, or yeah, but but I, ju- I just think it depends a little bit on where it's played. To be honest with you, but I think that'll be a tight game as well. Because well, same here, I think it'll be tight. It'll be good to watch, and I think it'll be a pretty good quality game. This one, this is actually one of the few sort of matchups where you know two decent teams playing against each other. Yeah. So we move on to the two games on Sunday, and I actually like the second of these two games. The first game's the Knights versus the Dragons. Knights are a dollar forty-two favourites. It's at it's at Newcastle's home ground um, at at McDonald Jones. Um, it's two. The Dragons are two dollars eighty-five, and the Dragons have seven and a half points start. Um, obviously, Ben Hunt's out, um, so I think Adam Clune will come into Adam the, Clune will come in, come into yeah. the team. This is a good test for the Dragons. The Knights have a lot of injuries, a lot a lot of injuries, right? So. Kalen Ponga is 50-50, but, he's, but he'll likely miss this round. It's saying next week. Yeah, they'll hold him out. Yeah, the back line is still a problem for Adam O'Brien. Shibasaki was poor, as we mentioned earlier. You know, they don't have any, they don't have any fit centers or wingers to choose from, really. Braden Musgrove is the only outside back currently not in the team who is fit and available for selection. Their forward pack is also decimated with Saifidi and possibly Mitch Barnett. He's got a calf injury joining Lachlan Fitzgibbon in the injury ward. So this is their best chance to beat the Knights in Newcastle. Newcastle have got a lot of injuries. And Adam Clune's a functioning half, right? Jack Bird's, I know, out for, for Saints. But I think the Saints could get this game. I think the Dragons win. I'm tipping the Dragons. I think the Knights, they're not really a team that can withstand, you know, having six, seven players out. Like you say, mentally, if they're switched on and they play with a high intensity, the Dragons, they should beat the Dragons. But I've seen enough from Corey Norman so far this year, whether it's because it's his contract year or because, you know, he, he's you know he's street fighting in his spare time or whatever he's doing. Maybe it's because, you know, he's back with Anthony Griffin. Who knows? Um, but mentally, he's switched on. And I think with Dufty and also Clune, I think Clune is still a pretty good player. I reckon the Dragons will win. I think they'll take advantage of any opportunities they create, and they will create some. And they, you know, what their confidence is up at the moment. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So if we move on to the second game, which I actually think this will be a really, really good game, the Sunday night game after this is the Foxtel game. It's the Roosters versus the Warriors. I mean, the mm-hmm. big, the big thing for the Roosters is obviously who plays in the halves. Um, Sam Walker's almost certain to make his NRL debut. He will be playing, and I think Drew Hutchison will come in. He's filled in 5'8 a few times, and they'll probably have um, Suwali on the bench to right. cover Drew Hutchison's spot. Yeah, I would have actually gone with Joey Manu in the halves with Sam Walker, and then I would have bought, mm. put, put Suwali in the centres. So, but it's not my team to pick. So I think this will be this will be a relatively close game. I think only Peter Hiku's in doubt for the Warriors with his knee injury. Um, if Hiku can't recover, then your boy Marcelo Montoya will come into the team. And, and so I think this game will be close. Actually, I think the Roosters will win because I think there was a letdown last week and they rarely, if ever, have two bad games in a row. You saw last year they had Flanagan or they had Lachlan Lamb. I mean, the the, gun, the, the key is Kiri's out. 
they, they've managed to replace other halves, but they haven't played without Kiri for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But Sam Walker, you know, if they've got that many wraps on him and with the team that he's got around him, they'll be fired up. I think they'll be too good for the Warriors. I'm tipping the Roosters. But this is provided I expect Nathan Brown to go back to his conservative game plan. And I think that actually takes the, some of the strength away from the Warriors. If they pass, they're, they're big. They've got some explosive players. They've got spark sparkle in Nicarima and magic and same as rts they've got two magical players that can play brilliant football you know if they don't allow them opportunity to play they just become too easy to um, defend against and i think the roosters will win my gut feel is brown will go back and to his conservative game plan so far and if he does that i think it's easy meat for the roosters Okay, so we move on to the Easter Monday game. Um, we always struggle against the Tigers on Easter Monday. The Tigers are $3.25 and, and Para is $1.34 and the Tigers have 10 points start. I think this will be a close game. If, if it's the Tigers of the first two weeks, it won't be a close game. If it's the Tigers of last week, I think it'll still be, be the Eels, but it'll be the Eels by six or eight points. It won't, it'll be tighter than people think here. What do you think? I don't really have anything different, to be honest. Like the Tigers, look, their attitude improvement, an attitude at least keeps you in the game to some degree. I think that'll help. But the Eels are just too strong for them, right? And the Eels are starting to play through the forwards a little bit more. And I think that's going to carve the Tigers up through the middle. I don't think the Eels have the sheer pace and explosiveness to blow teams away by 40, if that makes sense, if their attitude is pretty good. But... The Eels will win for sure. It's just a matter of whether they win by, you know, 10 or, you know, 20. But I can't see them flogging the Tigers. No, I agree. I, particularly, particularly if it's the Tigers that showed up last week, yeah? That's right. Like, But I, it, it will be a closer game. Like, I don't expect them to blow them away and, you know, keep them hanging around. But I think the Eels are just a little bit too good at the moment. And they, they seem to be playing with a bit of confidence. So, especially after they beat the Storm, right? Honestly, if you're Madge McGuire, right, if you get another week where they've got an improved attitude and they're, they're playing a lot better, I mean, at the end of the day, after the first two weeks, isn't that kind of what you want? You just want to see them improve each week? Well, and this is not the team. He's going to recruit and he's going to let players go and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I mean, they're building towards something and they're still two or three years away, the Tigers, but Parramatta's time's now. So favours for me the, the, the Eels a little bit. I can't believe I'm saying that I'm usually so pessimistic on the Eels and and so let's hope we get up. All right, that brings us to the end of another... <laughs> I'm getting the hand signal from G for two fingers up. Hey, what did Sonny Bill Williams talk to Trent Robinson about? I need to know these things. Well, I think you can go back on nine catch-up and watch it. I thought, he, I thought he did a good job, and it's good to hear a Polynesian voice, right? And so I think it's good for diversity, and it's good for those kids that have Polynesian backgrounds to see themselves in the media. God knows... We didn't see any of ourselves when we were growing up in the media other than SBS. Oh, so. well, uh, except for Andy Pascalides. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. That brings us to the end of another week of the NRL and the G&T show. Um, join us again next week where we cover off the happenings of the NRL world where G will give us his thoughts on the latest Bulldogs hammering and we'll understand or we'll comment on Emperor Volandes' decree about the 18th man. Look, I can't give any more than I have this week. I think I've hit rock bottom. And is that next it? week... Is that it? Is that all you can give? Oh, my God. This is the this is the peak? This is the peak? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, I might have to turn up to Bulldogs training in the trench coat. <laughs> not again. The police have asked you not to do that again. <laughs> so if, if, if you get 70 points put on you... I'm retiring. 
I'm, I'm medically retiring from the podcast. It'll be the it'll happen. be G's cat and T show next week. Yeah, it will be. I'm taking a a, a mental health break. Well, you'll need to take a mental health season. All right, G, go well this week, and we'll catch we'll catch you all again next week. See you later, T. Bye. <laughs>